Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 31st day of uh, August uh, 2017. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and uh, today our guest speaker is John Dorley. We're going to be discussing uh, uh, the claims uh, system here a little bit, uh, some of the do's and don'ts, and uh, uh, you know, maybe... uh, what claims you should file and what claims you shouldn't. Uh, not everything wrong with you. It would be a legitimate claim, I suspect. I don't know. Uh, how are you doing today, John? Gerald, I'm good. I appreciate you having me on the radio show again. And, and John Stacy, it's, appreci- it's good to talk to you guys, uh, both of you at the same time. So um, I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Well, I'm doing pretty good, and John there, he's on the mend, I believe. I'm, he better be on the mend. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's had a rough go of it. But well, I think we'll do a show on that, John. You want to? <laughs> Well, you know, in, in talking to John, you know, Stacy, who's one of the contributors to this show, he, he shared with us that he's going through some health concerns, and we all wish him the best of luck in, in that. And it sounds like he's back on the mend. But but uh, for myself, certainly as, as a veteran service officer, a power of attorney, um, I'm certainly open to taking any calls from any listeners out there that have any specific claims that, that might be related to his or her disability claims, but in general, uh, you, know, you know, certainly what we want to do is try to educate these veterans and dependents on any claims that they could file against the VA for any any disability claims or any death-related claims. So um, I guess that's the main thing we want to cover is a general, it's a general idea, but uh, uh, Gerald, what specifically are, are you looking at for me to cover, or you just want to give me an idea of what kind of things you want me to cover? Or? Well, uh, doggone it, John, there's many different claims. Uh, let me give out our call-in number here uh, first. I forgot to do that. It's 347-237-4444. Now, if you have a question or comment, please call in. The number is 347-237-4819. John, uh, give us some examples of of claims that uh, probably shouldn't be filed or should be uh, filed in such a way um, 
that they can be worked with. And, you know, the VA is notorious. If if it's not just letter perfect and everything just just right, they're going to deny it. And uh, uh, there there will be some of those cases that that you're not going to get through. And so it's pointless to try to pile a claim on it. Right. Um, although some of those that you might not think is good could be a result of secondaries. Uh, I think that covers a, a, a pretty pretty large field, don't it? Yeah, you know, Gerald, I think what veterans in general want to look at is filing disability claims if there's any reasonable belief in that veteran's mind that their disability is related to active duty military service, then then that's something that they should file with the Veterans Administration. And typically the Veterans Administration has a duty to assist, that they have to uh, uh, assist the veteran and file the claim uh, and, and develop that claim and, and make sure that veteran has all the opportunity to win that claim. So, So when the veteran files a disability claim, they will make every effort to to help that veteran develop the claim. And so uh, I think as a rule of thumb, the veteran needs to be able to understand that if they have any reasonable belief that they have a disability that is secondary to active duty military service, they should file that disability claim with the VA. And and as I had mentioned, the VA has a duty to assist to help them develop that claim, and and they will will follow, follow up with it from there. It's incumbent upon the VA uh, to, to do that, and, and it's also incumbent upon the veteran to to uh, elicit the services of a veteran service officer to help them file that disability claim. Not only file it, but develop that claim, whether it's through a national service officer or an advocate such as myself, which is called an accredited appeals agent, or an attorney to help them develop that claim. And that often can include... Uh, uh, medical evidence, uh, uh, nexus letters. When I talk about nexus letters, I'm talking about uh, doctors that uh, make an opinion as to the likelihood of um, uh, the, the particular disability being related to military service. So that all comes into play with it. So I think, Gerald, as, as a bottom line, I think a veteran, if there's any reasonable belief on that veteran's part that their military has caused a specific disability, they should go ahead and file that claim and then also secure the uh, services of a, a veteran service officer to help them develop that claim. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really helpful if you have something in your medical records there uh, from the military that will help support your claim. Uh, you almost need that, but it's it uh, at the same time, I don't think it's mandatory if you can come up with an IMO or IME, uh, and uh, maybe a couple of those, and and get uh, the support of the, the medical uh, because you have to show a nexus and and stuff, and that would help you do that. So, yep, uh, yep, you're right. You're right, Gerald, and I think oftentimes uh, uh, 
uh, there's the belief that there has to be actual documentation in service medical records that is that a nexus or a disability exists that that's related to the current military disability, but but that's not always the case. Oftentimes you have what's called presumptive disabilities, and and, and for example, if if you have a veteran who served on active duty uh, in uh, uh, Vietnam, for example, uh, there's a number of disabilities that are automatically presumptive to exposure to uh, uh, veterans that served in Vietnam. Uh, so even if there isn't service medical records that back up a particular veteran's claim, if they have a specific disability and they served in Vietnam, that would be automatically presumptive service connection. And the same would be, for example, uh, uh, exposure to radiation. Uh, the Korean time period where they exposed to the radi radiation atmospheric testing or World War II, uh, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, even more recently, um, Iraq, uh, uh, the exposure to uh, what they call the Persian Gulf War Syndrome. There are certain disabilities that are presumptive to service connection, digestive issues, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. All of those disabilities, if you're diagnosed with those disabilities, you're automatically service connected. It's just a matter of filing those disability claims. So you're right, Gerald, in those cases where if those disability claims don't uh, follow up with actual service medical records, you can still be service connected for those disabilities if you have a diagnosis and if they fall under the presumptive service connection. And again, as I noted before, uh, it's important that these veterans get in contact with professionals such as national service officers or someone such as myself or, or attorneys to, to weed through those legal uh, ramifications on that. Yeah, that's right. And and that's something to really consider because uh, the VA right off the bat will say, look, there's nothing in your medical records and uh, uh, that indicate this and blah, 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 and try to tell you uh, uh, that it has been your medical records, but that's not exactly true. Uh, you once you generate that nexus and and get some doctors, outside doctors, to support uh, what you're claiming. Uh, uh, you know, it goes a long way. At least you got something to argue with. Yep. Yeah, and I just had a case the other day, Gerald, um, that uh, a veteran was was exposed to carcinogenic uh, fuel uh, as a uh, using the Air Force, and he's ex he was an individual that uh, w was a, a field specialist for aircraft, jet engines, and things of that sort, and he was exposed to uh, jet fuel constantly. Unfortunately, he 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 developed the cancer, pancreatic cancer, that. Uh, uh, he died due to because of that. Um, his widow came to me and said, "What do we do?" And uh, we were able to uh, uh, provide an independent medical opinion to say that his exposure to that jet engine fuel was, in fact, uh, in relation to his pancreatic cancer, which afforded her some very substantial benefits. So, uh, I guess the point being is that, despite the fact that he, this individual who passed away, uh, 
it wasn't recorded in his service medical records that he was that he was uh, suffering from a disability exposed to that jet engine fuel. Uh, many years after the fact, uh, it was demonstrated that he, he died due to or as a result of that uh, jet engine fuel. So that's an example of where uh, service medical records uh, may be void of a particular nexus or a connection to active duty military service, but later on we're able to get a doctor to make an opinion that it is related. So um, I guess the point being is that any doctor that is willing to make that connection to uh, a veteran's military service, uh, uh, we are we are able to make that connection. Uh, you know, and that's critical. There's been a lot of claims, one, uh, making that connection. So uh, it's a tough battle, but uh, uh, that's... That's just some of the stuff. And a lot of times, go through your medical or your claims folder. Uh, I've discovered, uh, and I'm sure a lot of everybody, everybody else could have the same trouble, your claims folder is not always accurate. A lot, a lot of times, uh, they'll just copy one, one side of your medical sheet when there's uh, data on both sides of it, and uh, I've run across that in my own. So uh, you won't believe what'll crop up if you can get all your all the information in your your claims folder. It's supposed to be there. Right, right. And Gerald, I, I think, and I've made this point before in other radio shows, is that the veteran can be their best advocate, and I, and I think one of the things is establishing getting a copy of your VA claims file and making sure that whatever you have in the claims file is what the VA has because sometimes that does happen where uh, the VA has one side of copy and it doesn't have the other side of the copy and that other side of the copy may be pertinent evidence that can be uh, uh, very uh, uh, important to the disability claim. So I always advise veterans to, in many cases, get a copy of your VA claims file and compare that with the VA claims file that the VA administration has. And and if they're opposite, you want to make sure that they have the the, the copy that you have uh, because it's, it, it's a situation where oftentimes uh, there is important evidence that uh, the VA may not have that you have. You want to make sure they have a copy of what you have. Uh, you can never assume that the VA has the entire VA claims file. So that's, that, that's right. what's important to do. Yeah, never assume. Yeah. Never assume. I have gotten three, maybe four, uh, complete claims files, different ones, from the VA. And every one of them been different, uh, John. Uh, it's it's mind-boggling. And... Uh, uh, you have to know. Uh, now, this is critical information. You have to know, like, for instance, if you know you're going to be meeting with a traveling judge, uh, and 
you have to know that you have the exact information that that judge does that you're looking at. And if you have any questions, anything that don't look properly and should be correct, any corrections you need, you need to have that taken care of before meeting with the judge. Right, right. And, and you know, uh, Gerald, one of the things I, one of the things I always tell veterans, and and I've told you as well, um, is that uh, uh, you know, oftentimes when we get involved with the Veterans Administration, um, you need someone that has a lot of experience in working with the Veterans Administration, and that's in the form of what's called a power of attorney, and whether that's yeah. a National Service Officer with a DAV, DFW American Legion, the Purple Heart. Or, or as someone such as myself who's an accredited appeals agent or an actual attorney at law, uh, you need to have someone that has some seasoning, some experience, someone that's going to go through your VA claims file page by page so that if you come across an administrative law judge with the Board of Veterans Appeals, uh, that person is going to be able to present your case as effectually as possible. I know as a as an accredited fields agent, I always make it a fact to to know my my client's case like the back of my hand. And so, certainly when when we talk about uh, claims, Gerald, we talk about the veterans need to be aware of of their claims file, and, and that's important. It, you know, veterans can always be the best advocate, but in, in a long in the long run of things, really it comes down to. Uh, the, the, the the power of attorney who, who really should be uh, working that claim uh, 24-7, 365, just to make sure that all the, cre- uh, all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, to make sure that if you do go before the Board of Veterans Appeals, Administrative Law Judge, or something to that effect, you put the best case forward as possible. Yeah, that, that's a good point you brought up, uh, John, because... Having a POA that, uh, uh, for instance, you could look at a, at a claim folder, and I'm sure you wouldn't want to uh, uh, meet in front of a judge or DRO uh, without having access to the claims folder, and and you you would recognize the fact that some things are not uh, quite right and need to be corrected. Yeah. Yeah, some of the, uh, you know, it, it's amazing to me that uh, a number of veterans who, who I've worked with, they take the claim all the way to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, and, and when I get my hands on it, I look at the claims file, and I realize, for example, that the VA regional office, the local VA regional office, didn't bother to look at the uh, uh, the compensation exam. I just had a case today that I reviewed that, the claim was denied for a couple of musculoskeletal issues, and coming to find out that the compensation examiner actually service-connected the disability, but the adjudicator ruled against it, and, and, and there was no justification for an adjudicator to rule against an actual medical doctor. Now, these are the types of claims that go all the way to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, and they shouldn't need to be. Um, that, that's adding additional years to a claim that should have been adjudicated uh, much sooner, and so it, it, it's always important that you get a credible power of attorney that actually looks at the claims file, and and 
and is able to actually look at the claim to find out is there a way we can win this claim without it having to go all the way to the Board of Veterans Appeals. And so uh, I feel comfortable saying that I'm able to do that, but um, you know, I've always found that that's one of the important things to do is review that claims file before it even gets to the claim to the Board of Veterans Appeals because that will save the veteran a lot of time, it will save uh, uh, the power of attorney a lot of time, but it also uh, avoids the incredible backlog with the Board of Veterans Appeals that's involved. So um, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, reviewing that clip, the, the VA claims file is, is very important overall. It sure is. It's critical. And uh, you have to have someone uh, uh, looking at it or studying that to 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 be able to tell you if something's something's wrong and needs to be corrected before you go any further. Uh, you can my land, like you say, there's there's been some go way up the chain there, <laughs> and you get up there and find out how they're. Uh, the VA's been looking at one thing, you're looking at another. And you're thinking they're crazy all the time. Well, you're not You're not dealing with apples and oranges. Uh, uh, so, um, yeah, you have to have someone uh, well-versed in that because I think the claims folder is, is critical. You know what's in it as well as the VA, so... Without that knowledge or someone that has the knowledge, be able to pick it up and say, hey, there's something missing here. And, uh, you know, if you go to counting pages or uh, the BA is not too good about numbering pages, but, uh, uh, you know, if you go from three to six, you know there's something wrong. One of the things, Gerald, I've been able to do is when I review VA claims files, especially when they're uh, not quite at the Board of Veterans Appeals yet, but they're still with the VA regional offices, I'm able to identify specific issues within that claims file that maybe even the uh, VA regional officer, the decision review officer, wasn't even aware of. Uh, what that gives me is the opportunity to, to call that VA regional office and or the uh, de decision review officer or even the director to say, hey, um, this is a case that you're looking to send to the Board of Veterans Appeals, but I think that it's, it's going to be remanded. Um, and this is the reason why I think it's going to be remanded. If you just look at uh, uh, the specific points A, B, C, and D, uh, I think it's a situation where you might be able to re review this file and actually grant the claim without it having to go to the Board of Veterans Appeals and, and quite likely being remanded. And, and actually... Most regional offices are appreciative of me pointing that out to them so they can actually rate the claim before it actually goes to the Board of Veterans Appeals. So I'm not saying every case is like that, Jiro, but you'd be surprised at the number of cases that I come across that I'm able to look at the VA claims file and find out, yeah, there's a quick fix here without it having to go to the Board of Veterans Appeals, which will actually add at least three to four years to a claim. So. Um, yeah, I think that's a situation where uh, I can't I can't reiterate that enough. The VA claims file review is important for any advocate to 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 uh, actually triage the claim and see where it can go from there. 
Yeah, you're right on there. Uh, and and I agree with you. Uh, usually I don't uh, see where the regional office, uh, if they got a good idea and once you point something out to them, uh, I, I agree. I think they would say, yeah, let's uh, take care of this here. <laughs> and uh, you save so much time. My lands, every, every remand, everything is years. You had years to a claim that shouldn't be. One of the things that the uh, VA regional office is, is, is my understanding is anytime that they certify a claim to the Board of Veterans Appeals, it gets remanded or overturned on approval. That's, that's somewhat of a tick mark against those VA regional offices as far as a performance evaluation and and, and trust me, those regional offices, uh, they want to perform to the highest standard possible, if anything, to save their job, uh, save their security. So uh, I feel comfortable in saying that most regional offices, uh, if they have a claim that they think is going to get remanded from the Board of Veterans' Appeals or if it's going to get overturned by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, they will do whatever they can to avoid that. And when I talk about remand, I know there's a lot of listeners out there that might not understand the term remand, uh, basically, a remand is, is when, when the local VA regional office certifies a claim to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, and the Board of Veterans' Appeals refer, reviews that claim and determines that the regional office did not do their job. Maybe they didn't follow the, the appropriate uh, duty to assist, or maybe they missed some important facts about the VA disability claims. They may send it back to, to the VA regional office, and by that I mean the Board of Veterans' Appeals may send it back to the VA regional office for additional development. That's called a remand. And so anytime the regional offices get a remand back to them, that's somewhat of a tick mark against them to show they didn't do their job. So my experience with these regional offices, they don't want those remands. They don't want those, those claims overturned. Uh, because that's a performance evaluation against them. So the point I'm making is that anytime you can point out to these regional offices that they made a mistake or that they can correct something, uh, more often than not, they do appreciate that so they don't look bad in front of the Board of Veterans' Appeals. That's right. I would agree with you on that. Uh, you know, that's... Because they are kind of on a grade, you know, they say, look, that bunch down there in St. Louis ain't worth a hoot. And, or somewhere else, don't have, don't matter where. If they keep getting remand after remand after remand, that, that tells them something. Something's going wrong here. Yep. What is this? Yep. Yep, and that that's a performance evaluation and that and that works all the way down from the actual director of the VA regional office all the way down to the rating specialist. And so uh, that's looked at really closely. And so I I know a lot of veterans don't don't uh, abide by this theory, but for the most part these VA regional offices they wanna do right by the veteran. Uh, if anything to maintain their integrity with the VA regional office and the Board of Veterans Appeals to make sure that they're doing the job that they're supposed to do. So um, the, the decision review officers that I've worked with, the directors, the assistant directors, the Veterans Service Center managers, uh, I haven't really come across one that doesn't want to do right by the claim. 
Uh, but it's all a matter of just developing the claim properly. And if the VA regional office is at fault, for the most part, they're going to take a look at that before it actually gets to the Board of Veterans' Appeals and save the veteran a lot of uh, time and effort to try to win the claim at the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Because if I can win it at the VA regional office, I'm going to try to do that. Oh, absolutely. Look how many years it saved. Right. Uh, every, every remand, like you said, is a couple of years, if not longer. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what you want to do. And and in a lot of cases, I think if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for the BA's mistakes, because they know what they need to develop a claim. And why in the world they don't help a veteran out more than they do? Uh, uh, I just don't understand it. But anyway, you gotta. It takes a long time before you figure the system out and realize that uh, it, it's not always <laughs> in your favor. One of the things, Gerald, is, is, is uh, and it didn't always used to be this way, but the, uh, the Veterans Claims Assistance Act of November of 2000 set aside very specific uh, uh, regulations that the VA had to abide by to assist the veteran in developing their disability claim. Prior to that, is pretty much the veteran was, was on her own or hit on, her, uh, uh, on his own or on her own to, to develop these claims the best way possible, but... Uh, the veteran was uh, uh, pretty much left on an island to develop the claim as, as they saw fit. But as, as I mentioned, the, the, the Veterans Claims Assistance Act of November of 2000 uh, made it very clear that the VA was, was obligated by law to assist that veteran in developing their claim. Now, uh, the question is, is, is how far they can go about assisting the veteran, and, and that often includes securing medical records and securing federal documents, things of that sort, whether they're private medical records or military medical records or VA medical center records, that's all under obligation by the Veterans Administration. Uh, but but uh, what's important is that the veteran is also an advocate for themselves to, 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 to develop those claims as best they can, secure a power of attorney that, that knows what they're doing, and helps that veteran as best they can to to put the best case forward. So uh, there certainly is a law in place where the Veterans Administration is obligated to to help that veteran develop their claims as best they can, but uh, that doesn't always go as far as it should as well. Well, that's true. It it don't. And uh, do you think under this new administration here, uh, that there's going to be an improvement, a noticeable improvement uh, in the way they handle claims. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I try to look at it from a realistic perspective. I've been doing this since 1992. And, and I've always told advocates and veterans who have who've asked my, for my advice uh, and, and 
at least an idea of, of how far the V has come. I think they've come a lot farther than they did when they started in 1992 as far as timeliness of VA claims uh, and development, adjudication, and trying to uh, uh, work out and whittle down the, 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 the appeals process. Um, but the fact is, is that uh, you've got a lot of other variables that have come into place since 1992. Certainly, uh, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, uh, the first Persian Gulf War come into play. A lot of veterans are filing more benefits at that point in time. And, of course, the big one, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom involving Afghanistan coming into play, and thousands and thousands and thousands of veterans filing disability claims. So that's absolutely glutted the system uh, as far as VA disability compensation claims. And it's not to say that these veterans don't deserve these disability claims and, and proper adjudication, but uh, I think the VA was caught off guard on, on how to... Uh, uh, not only develop these claims, but develop them in a timely fashion. So uh, I guess when you ask me, Gerald, uh, is there any uh, light at the end of the rainbow? Um, I, think the, I think the efforts are certainly being made, but I think it still stands to, stands to reason exactly if it's going to come to fruition or not. I, I, I feel comfortable to say that uh, past President Obama has made an effort to try to do that, uh, uh, the current Secretary uh, of the Department of Veterans Affairs, Shulkin, and our currently President uh, Donald Trump is making every effort to try to do that. I know the uh, current uh, National Service Officers, uh, the big three, the DAV, the VFW, and the American Legion, has uh, proposed uh, uh, legislation to uh, pass law to completely revamp the BVA uh, uh, appeals process. Uh, and the local VA appeals process. So, uh, and that's certainly a law that's going to pass. So keep your eye on that. Uh, but uh, as I've told veterans, it's anytime a law is passed, there's always that maturation period where we have to uh, let it come into play and, and work out the bugs and and see if it actually works. And and so I, I guess what I'm looking at is probably at least a year or two down the road before it has any effect on the uh, glut of the appeals process, not only with the local VA regional offices, but the Board of Veterans Appeals. So, you know, that may sound uh, uh, negative in the overall process, but doing this 25, 26 years, that's that's my take on it. I think any type of uh, uh, appeals process uh, uh, revamping or, or overhauling is, is going to uh, take at least a couple years for it to actually have any uh, positive effect as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think it'll be a while before we see any positive results. Uh, of course, you know, we all would love to see it uh, wake up in the morning and that it all be different. <laughs> but but right. uh, I don't see that happening. I mean, it's going to take a lot of work. It's a big ship, and it takes a long time to get it turning. So the uh, uh, only thing we can do is continue on as we have and and hope things do get better. Or uh, the VA, I think the VA could do a lot more in uh, 
with this duty to assist uh, because they're sitting on all the files and records and they say, look, in order for this claim to uh, uh, be filed and and won, uh, you have to have this, this, and this, and there we got it right here. Uh, we'll supply you with that data. You shouldn't have to ask the, the VA for that data. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, you raise an interesting point. Um, I, I think certainly when you're talking about any records that are in possession of the of our federal government, um, there is a duty to assist that the, uh, 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 for example, the Board of Veterans Appeals mandates that the VA regional offices uh, attract these uh, federal agencies to secure different records, whether they're military records or VA records or federal records, Social Security records. There is a duty to assist to collect those records and uh, uh, implement those into the uh, the overall vis- uh, VA disability claims process. Um, so, so to some degree, we do rely on the government to help us out with that. But as I had mentioned before, the veteran uh, uh, can be their best advocate. So although it's, it's a difficult task, any veteran that's filing a, a disability claim that relies on those federal government records, if, if they can contact... Uh, you know, federal agencies such as the National Personal Records Center or the Records Management Center or the National Personal Records Center or or the particular military branches that carry military records, uh, that would be beneficial as well. Um, you, know, you know, be your own best advocate and secure those records. Technically, you shouldn't have to. There is that duty to assist that the VA is supposed to help you, but, but you know, let's be realistic. Let's not rely on the Veterans Administration. They're the ones you're trying to get benefits from. Okay, be your own best advocate. Uh, and and in, in reality, uh, your own best advocate is going to be, as I mentioned before, your power of attorney, whether that's, like I said, the National Service Officer or an accredited appeals agent such as myself or an attorney. They should be the ones that are trying to secure those types of uh, uh, documents from the uh, federal government. Oh, absolutely, because they know, you know, uh, a veteran being a lay person, they're not aware of all the data or or information that that they need documentation. They don't know what to ask for, and this is where your your POA comes. You know, that's that's where they start earning their money. They say, look, you have to have this, you have to have this, you have to have that. We're going to send in a request for it. Uh, You know, if something's missing out of the sea pile, say, well, I think it's missing out of your sea pile. Let's go back and make them review this and be sure this sea pile's correct. Or your your claims folder. Yep, yep, and, and oftentimes that that uh, unfortunately takes a long time to to adjudicate. Um, sometimes those records aren't always readily available, so oftentimes veterans find themselves filing a claim with a local VA regional office. They get denied by the local VA regional office, then they appeal to 
the Board of Veterans Appeals. Uh, the Board of Veterans Appeals may not have the information that they need or they didn't do the proper procedure to get the information they need. So then a veteran finds themselves appealing to the Court of Veterans Appeals, uh, which then, uh, if it's not one there, it, it can be remanded back to the Board of Veterans Appeals. So it, it can be a long, lengthy process. So um, getting the appropriate medical records or, or documents uh, available is the key. And, and I know a lot of veterans that might be listening to this now or on podcast, they think, you know, I've tried to get those records. Uh, I'm getting stalled. They're not sending me those records. Um, the only thing you can do is just keep at it. Um, a lot of the other things, Gerald, is, is oftentimes when records aren't avail- are not available, which is oftentimes the case uh, through no fault of the veteran, uh, testimonials can come into play too. So if, if veterans out there have kept in contact with, with other service members that they served with who, who bore witness to the actual occurrence, whether it's uh, uh, exposure to specific contaminants or a specific type of stressful incident on active duty, uh, testimonials do carry a, a long ways with the Veterans Administration, especially when there isn't actual uh, military documentation to back it up. There's a couple precedent uh, uh, court cases called Jandro v. Nicholson and, and Boudreau v. Nicholson that you could uh, Google that will uh, back up the power of testimonials. So uh, there's a lot of ways to skin the cat, people, with these types of disability claims. Don't get discouraged. But uh, uh, if you're patient and and you hold out as long as possible with the timeliness of these claims, uh, you'll be rewarded as long as you stick with it. Uh, Yeah, and that takes a lot of work. Uh, Just remember one thing, a year or two Right now is is a lot better than ten or fifteen years down the road. And if you get off on the wrong foot or you get the wrong POAs, uh, uh, you can end up in a real mess. And so, uh, in the beginning of your claim, uh, try to get. Uh, get it as accurate and and uh, as complete as possible. Of course, chances of it being complete is not going to be possible till you get your C file. But uh, um, uh, as soon as you get a POA, they should uh, recommend you know say look the first thing we do here is get her C file and. You want to get all that taken care of. Yeah. You know, I think nine times out of ten, Gerald, uh, if, if you have an adequate power of attorney that, that has the heart and, and expertise to look at a claims file, look at the evidence of record, and identify and triage the exact issues that's preventing disability compensation from being granted or being raised or, or presumptive or t- something to that effect, uh, you can avoid a long delay. You can usually triage those claims right off the bat, get the evidence together right off the bat, uh, get a nexus opinion from a, a medical expert, and, and win those claims a lot sooner than later rather than letting it get, get all the way to uh, 
an appeal or, or a decision review office or being involved at the local via regional office or the Board of Veterans' Appeals, the Court of Veterans' Appeals, which is going to be many years down the road. i got to tell you, I, I always looked at it as a failure as, as an advocate. If a case, if one of my cases went to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, I need to look at myself. I need to look at myself and say, what exactly did I not do that that uh, prevented this case from not being won at the local VA regional office? Now, sometimes you have a VA regional office that just, uh, they're faulty. Sometimes they yeah. just don't grant claims yeah. in, uh, because they should. Uh, so that's out of your control. But but oftentimes when a claim goes to the Board of Veterans Appeals, uh, what I see is that uh, there's something that the power of attorney could have done different that could have won this claim. I see that all the time, and I'm not putting putting a blame on any any advocates or anything like that. But it, it is what it is. I see claims files that that could be turned around a different way that could have won the claim before it actually got to the Board of Veterans Appeals. So really, that's the key to not only winning the claim before it gets to the Board of Veterans Appeals, but avoiding that that uh, massive uh, backload and glut the Board of Veterans Appeals faces in, uh, in, in determining these claims get done in an effective and, and expeditious manner. You know, you're absolutely right. Uh, a good POA should be able to recognize that there's some issues here, and uh, you would correct those issues before you move on to the next step. You just don't throw them out there and say, well, you know, let's hope for the best. Well, that don't work with the VA. You better have your ducks in a row. And uh, if they come back with a bunch of nonsense, you need to have the knowledge to to, uh, set them straight. And you can do so in a civil manner. Say, look, you're wrong. Look at this. Uh, 38, so and so and so. Uh, Here's what it says. I can read too. (laughs) You know. Right. What I've found, Gerald, is is working primarily in Minnesota at the St. Paul VA Regional Office. Um, There's a lot of opportunities try to win this win a claim before it gets to the Board of Veterans Appeals. Um and that's in the form of uh uh formal personal hearings, uh informal personal hearings. There's there's a lot of opportunities for a power of attorney and a veteran to actually sit across the table from a decision review officer at a regional office to explain, okay, this is why this this particular decision is incorrect. Or you can present new material evidence at a at a particular personal hearing to show why the VA regional office should make their decision differently. So there, there's a lot of opportunities that veterans or claimants don't realize that they can pursue before the claim actually gets to the Board of Veterans' Appeals or the Court of Veterans' Appeals, and that's in the form of actual uh, personal hearings uh, at the at the local regional office, or if it does get to the uh, Board of Veterans' Appeals, you can do a video conference or a traveling board, uh, those types of things. But, but like I said before, my goal would be to not able not 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 get let it get to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Uh, let's win it at the VA regional office. And, and I like think, I said, uh, that's a good approach, uh, John. I, I agree with that. It should be one at the regional office. Uh, 
uh, if at all possible, you know, in some cases, some regional offices are so, so head, headstrong, uh, stubborn that they they don't want to work with you or not going to work with you by for whatever reason. There are some there. And you have to go on to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, but uh, and then they'll have to answer to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Why did they uh, not award the claim down at the regional office? I've, I've always think, told veterans, Gerald, I've always told veterans that if at all possible, win the claim at the local via regional office. And, and sometimes you get a decision review officer that is stubborn, bullheaded, and you have, you have no other option but to appeal to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. What I've found is that as a power of attorney on my end, if you have a good relationship with the regional office, specifically the Veterans Service Center manager, the assistant director, the director, oftentimes if you have a stubborn decision review officer that just simply is, is, is just not granting the claim uh, in spite of CFR, uh, M21 manual, those types of things, uh, you can usually get the director to have a different DRO look at the VA claims file. And I'll cite you an example. I'm, I'm proud to say that I've had good success with the Waco, Texas VA regional office. There's a particular DRO who no longer works uh, hearings uh, that uh, absolutely refuse to grant claims regardless of its probative merit. But I've had a, at least three or four cases heard by a, decision, by a different decision review officer that completely overturned the claim. So uh, I, I know there are a lot of veterans out there that want to, uh, uh, you know, just, just curse and damn the VA regional office altogether. But for the most part, if you have a good uh, power of attorney, uh, they're going to be able to get, uh, 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 I guess the best way to say it is, is skinning the cat in a different way, is winning the claim. In this case, get a different decision review officer to look at the case. For the most part, uh, regional offices are, are going to want to see if they can grant this claim before it gets to the Board of Veterans Appeals. Cause like I said, uh, my experience has been, they don't want the Board of Veterans Appeals remanding claims back to them or overturning claims back to them because that does not look good upon them. So I give them every opportunity to try to do right by the veteran, win those claims at the regional office, and if that means getting a, dis a different decision review officer on the case, uh, I push for that, and for the most part, I'm successful with that. Yeah, that ought to that makes sense. I mean, uh, I don't know. It, uh, you know, if you can get it taken care of there, by all means, you want it in the regional office. Because when you start going up to the Board of Veterans' Appeals and then they send it back for further development, uh, uh, my lands, uh, it can go all over the country. And, yeah, it, uh, it, it gets to be a mess. You know, when when you get cases that uh, uh, you get a denial, 
you file the NOD, which is a notice of disagreement, you get a statement of case, uh, then you present new evidence or you have a hearing, then you get a supplemental statement of case. You get two or three supplemental statement of cases uh, at the local VA regional office, which adds another couple of years to the claim. And then if it's still denied, it gets referred to the Board of Veterans' Appeals at Washington, D.C. Then if the Board of Veterans' Appeals remands the decision back to the regional office, you're adding another couple of years to the claim. So then the regional office has to make a decision, and if, God forbid, the claim gets denied again, it gets sent back to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, uh, and then the Board of Veterans' Appeals has, has the option to remand the case again, or approve it, or grant it, or deny it. If they deny it, then you're looking at the Court of Veterans' Appeals, which, Gerald, you're familiar with. Then it yeah. goes there, and then it can, it can, the Court of Veterans' Appeals can get remanded back to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Well, you're looking at 8, 10, 12 years down the road, if not longer. A lot of these veterans aren't going to live that long. And so, yeah, you know, that, that's why... Absolutely important to win these claims right off the bat at the local VA regional office with the with the evidence that you need to win it, and that you have the you have a power of attorney that's willing to go to bat for you to to, to really get in the trenches and, and work with the regional offices to try to win these claims. Like I said, my personal opinion is I don't want my claims to go to the Board of Veterans Appeals if at all possible, because if it goes to the Board of Veterans Appeals. That that means either the VA made a mistake or I made a mistake, and I don't think I made a mistake. I think the Board of Veterans Appeals, they do right by the veterans, but they're so backlogged, it takes so long to get a decision from them. Folks, win it at the VA regional office, get a power attorney that knows their head from their hind end, and go to war with them. Hey, John, would you give out your phone number and contact information in case someone wants to contact you? Absolutely, yep. You can call me at uh, area code 651. That's a Minnesota, Minneapolis-St. Paul area code. Area code 651-303-3064. That's 651-303-3064. If you want to contact me by email, give me your specific information. It's benefitsagent at comcast.net. That's benefits, plural, B-N-E-F-I-T-S, at comcast.net. Because this is some good information. I agree. These claims shouldn't be going up to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Uh, rarely. I think rarely they should be going up there. Uh, but uh, most of them, you got the evidence and documentation there at the regional office to get them, get them won. And uh, what you have, a veteran has to do is get a POA with enough intelligence to uh, secure that that data that you need to win your claim. And of course, uh, uh, most claims uh, you're going to end up with IMOs or IMEs, but uh, outside doctors. Uh, but there's many times 
that the evidence is there if you can get your hand on it in the, the VA's uh, in their their records. Uh, for some reason, they're kind of lazy when they go to putting records uh, on their discs. They want to skip this and that and something else. Yeah, I think every case is different, Gerald, and and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. There are some, and, and there are some cases that it's just uh, uh, it's a tough one where it's our word against the VA, and we have to let the Board of Veterans Appeals make a decision. Reasonable doubt under CFR 3.102, relative equipoise, uh, uh, those types of laws come into play. Uh, so we just have to leave it in the hands of the Board of Veterans Appeals. But more often than not, there there are uh, avenues to pursue that could make your case stronger or actually win the claim at the at the uh, local regional office before it ever gets to the to the to the Board of Veterans Appeals or the Court of Veterans Appeals. Yeah, you're right. So. Uh, I don't know. It, it's something for veterans to think about. And give this some serious thought. Even if you have filed a claim before and you plan to file a new one, keep this in the back of your head. Uh, uh, remember, if a good B, a good POA is, is worth a lot, and uh, they can really cut down on the time. Because they, uh, my lands, some of these claims go on for years, and yeah. and there's no need in it, just absolutely no need in it. I wish they'd start making the VA pay uh, uh, pay interest uh, right. on these retros. Maybe that would help cut down on it because they have no incentive to hurry up with the claim. Well, but yeah, it, I mean, interesting point. I think that any time you have a claim that has uh, a legitimacy and, and uh, eventually warrants a large retroactive order, it doesn't have to be large, but any type of retroactive award, uh, that's money in the veteran's pocket. Uh, that should earn at least 1% interest, right? So, <laughs> well, well I, it I, should earn something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a terrible deal. Uh, you know, they can set on that money for so long, pretty soon they ain't have nothing. They just use the interest. Well, they, uh, it, it, and the sad part about it, Gerald, is, is, and as a lot of advocates know, is that uh, uh, certainly any veteran that has a claim pending before the Veterans Administration, whether it's the VA or the BVA or the C, Court of Veterans Appeals and Veterans Claims, uh, uh, any claim that's won, they're going to be paid uh, uh, retroactively. But if they were to actually pass away while the claim's yeah. pending, uh, their spouse is able to pick up the ball from where the veteran left off. And that spouse is entitled to develop that claim as as far as possible, just as if the veteran was still alive and collect any retroactive award. The sad part about it is that uh, if that veteran is not married, 
there is no spouse, obviously, and, and that claim will die with the veteran. So um, it is just the way the law is right now. Uh, yeah, it's too bad it couldn't go to the estate, but that don't happen. So Yeah, um, estate or the kin or, or something to that effect. But, uh, yeah. Well, for the longest time, if I remember back to my years when I started in 1992, uh, the way the law was written is that uh, the spouse could still claim, but only based on the evidence of record at the time of death that was in the VA claims file. The spouse is not in a situation where they could add additional evidence or develop that claim further. Uh, now, that law has since changed, but uh, at least the law has changed for the betterment of that spouse. But again, it involves a spouse. And so if a veteran is not married, dies, uh, they're pretty much SOL. Yeah, it's a rough deal there. Well, John, we're we're out of time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Good. Uh, I'm glad you come on. Appreciate it, and I think we gave out you gave out plenty of good information, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get you back on here pretty soon. Hey, you know what? It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys, and and certainly that. Uh, any veterans that want to give me a call, I'm certainly open to to taking that call. Again, it's area code 651-303-3062. If you want to call, uh, email me, it's uh, benefitsagent at comcast.net. That's benefits, plural, agent at comcast.net. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, John. All right. Take care. Bye. And, folks, that'll be it for the podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.